And now, presenting the Star of the Show podcast with your host, Delaney Swift. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Star of the Show podcast. As always, I'm your host, Delaney Swift, and sorry if I'm talking weird today. I have not even kidding you four canker sores in my mouth. I don't know what the fuck happened, but I have four canker sores in my mouth. I'm assuming it's either because I'm just like getting sick because I get them a lot when I'm like run down or sick, but also I got fillings at the dentist last week and they used this like latex thing in my mouth and my mom is allergic to latex and if she ever wears like latex gloves, she will get these like blisters all over her hands. So I'm wondering if I'm allergic to latex and I didn't know it or if it's just like bacteria from people being in my mouth. This is too much information. I'm so sorry to start your episode like this. Like you did not ask for this information, but I'm just giving you context as to why the hell I sound so weird. I literally talk for my job and I have the podcast. So it's just ironic that I am having issues talking. You might not even be able to hear it, but it's like a struggle to talk normal right now. So anywho, welcome back to the episode. You're welcome for that lovely information. Hopefully you weren't like eating or anything, but I'm super excited about today's episode because this was just like a massive deep dive. I could have talked to this person forever. So today we have Chelsea Reif on the podcast. Chelsea and I actually met online and then she became my mindset slash like life coach during a time when I was starting up my business. This was like three years ago. But today I wanted to bring her on to talk about what she's been up to lately. And she has a podcast of her own called In My Non-Expert Opinion. So definitely go listen to that. So it's fun to have someone on who also podcasts because they just know the drill. And it's just so fun because we could have talked for hours. But Chelsea is a digital nomad. She has been traveling for a while now. So we get into that in the episode. We talk about the challenges of being a digital nomad, making friends, running a business, all of the ups and downs of travel and being constantly on the go. We also talk a lot about how her business has been going and how things have changed in her business and her social media, her podcast, her businesses the evolution of what it's been like for her to even be entrepreneurial. And this I found so relatable. We also talk a lot about timelines and how they don't really exist and how to kind of change your perspective from caring about what people think or specifically caring about what like your high school friends or, you know, your friends back home think of you and doing your creative outlets following your creative outlets for you and she talks a lot about her different creative outlets and how that's kind of changed as as time has gone on so hopefully you feel like when you're listening to this episode you're just talking to two of your friends having a really deep conversation and you just dive right in so without further ado please welcome Chelsea Reif to the podcast Tell us about where you are in the world right now. I'm in Bucharest, Romania. I have been here for like six weeks. And then after this, I'll go to Copenhagen to see a friend. And then I'll go to Barcelona to see another friend. And then I'll meet my family in Madrid to wrap up the year. 
Oh, wow. So are you, where are you going to be spending Christmas? In Barcelona. And my friend is there and I was going to spend it in Bucharest, but all my friends are leaving here. And I thought about how sad it would be to just be in, by myself in Bucharest on Christmas. So I was like, <laughs> maybe just find a friend in Europe. And my friend and I have been traveling together for a few months. And he's like, just come to Barcelona because I have to go to Spain anyway to meet my family. So that's where I'll be. That's perfect. It's like you're already going to be over there. It's a little bit easier of a of a transportation. So exactly. how did you meet these friends? Okay, so last summer, I guess, July 2022, I went on a trip with this group called Remote Year, and it's a bunch of remote workers that they all meet and travel together. I basically call it study abroad for adults. So we went on a four-month trip together, and I met a ton of cool people there. My group was 27 people, and we traveled all through Europe and South America, or sorry, South Africa, and then I kept in touch with them, and I had booked a few other Remote Year one-month trips in 2023. So earlier this year, I went to Argentina um, and Colombia and met a bunch of other remote year people. So basically all my friends from this year that I keep traveling with are 99% from remote year. Okay. So that's what I was wondering. Cause I remember you doing that initially, but then I'm like, is everyone still traveling? Like, I can't imagine that every single one of those people is still traveling is, or what is that like? That was the most shocking thing to me. I remember thinking, because 99% of the people in my group worked for American companies just remote, some people didn't even get approval from their bosses. They were doing Zooms on like white backgrounds and just being like, yeah, I'm at home. And I'm like, what do you do if your boss calls an all hands meeting in person? Like just fly home. I don't understand that. But there were some risky people. And I remember thinking they're all going to definitely go back to their homes after this. I would say everyone in my group except three people out of 27 kept traveling after our trip. So some people went to South America, some went back to Cape Town, some actually got residences in some of the countries we went to. I think actually most everyone kept traveling, which was the most shocking thing to me. And it proved to me like I'm not a crazy person because that's how I felt for a very long time is like, why do I want to live this lifestyle and like uproot yeah. myself every few weeks or months and yeah. meeting this group of people that did it too on a quite regular basis made me yeah realize I'm not insane. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I honestly feel like that like jealous or like mad at myself because that's how I am too. But I feel like I've almost like become like content and like, I can make excuses so easily, like the money I'm saving the money or, you know, I don't have the time or we have this coming up and like, you just like prioritize other things. And it's like, then life gets away from you. You know what I mean? So that's really, really cool. That first, that first stint, um, in remote year, that was three months, four months, four months. Mm -hmm. Okay. And did they months. take you to other places as well? So we started in, where did we start? South Africa. Right. And then we flew all together to Valencia, Spain, then Portugal, we went to Lisbon, and then we ended in split Croatia. And the part of your package is that you pay for the full thing. So they hook you up with accommodation, co-working oh, wow. space, and flights between. So that was really fun because we were all like traveling to the airport together. So you really get to know people through that type of traveling where you're just constantly together all the time. And then after that, I remember being exhausted because as fun as that was, it is exhausting, right? You're socializing all the time. People are trying to squeeze the most out of they can from the trip. And I mean, you're in corporate America. You know how I was in corporate America too and how we get like two weeks vacation. And a lot of times we try to bank it and go on a big trip. 
So I remember going to Europe when I was, you know, 26 and trying to fit in three cities in 10 days all over Europe. That started to mimic itself in a remote year where instead of trying to three, see like a city in a month, we were trying to see the whole country in a month. So people were spending their weekends going up north to Portugal, down south, all these little day trips. And I was like, this is just not normal to travel at this pace while doing your full-time job and trying to like have routines and go to your weekly yoga class and have a normal sleep schedule. Like that was so, so exhausting. So towards the end of the trip, I isolated myself. I went to Croatia by myself on a remote island. It was off season. I was like, I'm not speaking to anybody. I want to like be alone for three weeks and recharge. And that actually motivated me to want to settle down. So I looked at a visa in Portugal, started applying, like looked into a company to help me. And then there was a bunch of news that I don't think the visa was technically ready. And then like Forbes announced this new visa. So it just blew up. And then the office, I think, was really overwhelmed with visa applications. And my 90 days were running out in Europe. So I was like, you can either stay here and risk this or just go to another country and chill until this visa stuff gets sorted. So I went back to Cape Town and I ended up loving Cape Town so much that I was like, why would you go back to Portugal if you love Cape Town? So then I canceled my process, like my application, but I had opened a bank and this is the downside of digital nomad lifestyle. I am still trying to close this bank account. It has money in it. There's a monthly debit fee for servicing and they, it's Europe. They, they work slow. They don't have online systems. Like I still have not been able to close this account, but yeah, that was the plan after was, it was a very fun time and we had so much fun together, but it's also, I think, very unnatural to travel at that pace while you're working and an adult trying to have a routine. Totally. And in some ways it's like, I admire the people that can like just make that happen and don't like let time off stop them. But at the same time, like I unfortunately now have become someone who is so routine that like needs something steady every day, like to where if I'm traveling, especially if I'm around people 24 seven, I like need a lot of alone time to like feel normal again. And I used to not be like that. Like, I feel like I definitely am more extroverted, but I also really, really value my alone time. So, I mean, I can imagine that that would get really, really tiring after a while. How did that those three weeks go in Croatia. Like, was that the f- one of the first times you traveled for that long of time by yourself? Um, I had traveled before by myself in a bit of a different context. Like when my ex and I broke up, I traveled around Europe for five weeks by myself. Okay, um, and I'd also technically traveled to Australia by myself when I went there and lived for a year. That was, I didn't know anybody. I just went by myself. I knew one girl from college that had lived in Australia, but that was the first time I had to like really force myself to make friends in the neighborhood and develop routines. But Croatia, to your point, made me realize I also highly value my alone time. And I'm very similar to you. Like I love being around people and I love having like friendships that I meet with all the time. But after that trip, especially, and being a creative person, you know, we have our creations and I think our creations give us a lot of fuel that I didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to things because I was always socializing And being in Croatia for that period made me realize I need a a reflection period or else I will just run to the next thing and not even realize what happened. I think that happened this year. I had told you I booked those two one-month remote trips in Argentina and Colombia, and I made really good friends with with the people in those trips. So I kind of kept following and bopping around. 
where what happened is I ended up being in a new country every month up until June. So I was in Peru and then I was in Mexico and then I, again, Argentina, Colombia, it was just nonstop. And I remember at the end of that, I was like, you're going to get, you're going to burn out. Like you're going to either get really sick or you're going to just have like a nervous breakdown because you're not giving yourself any space to calm down and reflect and like take a beat. And that's something I just talked to my VA about this where I'm like, whenever I transition somewhere, we need to start blocking off like three to five days in my calendar for me to have a moment because I will just move to the next thing and forget all the amazing things that just happened in that time period. Right. It's almost like a blur. It is. It's a blur. And, and to your point of routines, when you said, unfortunately, I'm like, I don't know, it is kind of fortunate to have a regulated nervous system and look forward to things like the chaos of figuring out the currency and the time zones and the language and, and culture. Like, you know, I think that's something we forget is like culture is so important and it can be a little bit emotionally like whiplash to go to countries that are very warm and friendly and open and then go to a country that kind of like scoffs at you and like, doesn't really want to speak English to you. And then another country that dinner is at 10 PM and you're like, why am I eating dinner at 10 PM when I was just eating at 7 PM? And like that, got really overwhelming and we can maybe talk about this too but I started to develop a lot of like gut issues and health issues that I really needed to prioritize towards the end of the year you know there is something to be said about a routine but like I definitely feel like in a way I'm addicted to it a little bit and I think that some people like definitely are to where I get so uncomfortable when I'm outside of it Mm. that it almost like makes it unenjoyable for me to like be in certain situations and I don't know like when this shift happened in myself but like even when like if friends come to visit or if like friends ask me to go out and we end up staying out too late like that this is just a one random weird example I almost get like offended and like mad because I'm like this will impede on my routine and my happiness and sure as shit like last week I went out to a concert I stayed out to like 3 a.m that I don't do that often. And now I'm getting sick. Literally, I'm like chugging tea right here. I have electrolytes. Like you can see it on the back of my throat. Like it's not fun. So (laughs) I'm like, this is fucking why I don't do this shit. But then I don't want to like get into a rabbit hole of like being that type of person, you know? So how did you like manage your, like your health, your burnout, like prioritize your mental health, all the things while you're in transit, like 24 seven? Oh my gosh. Great question. The first is therapy. I have weekly therapy and I have not missed weekly therapy in like three years. That is like absolutely non-negotiable for me. I go to therapy every week. So just having that on my calendar, knowing I'm speaking to my therapist and I haven't changed therapists. So we don't have that awkward dance of like, you know, getting to know each other again. She's known me now for a while. That is huge because she can also recognize and, and check in with me of like, Hey, how are you adapting and what's going on? Literally yesterday, we talked about this where I just started a Substack a month ago, which is a whole other creative project on top of my podcast. And I have my consulting business and I still always have ideas I want to do. And I was like, but why do I feel behind? Like, I feel like I did manage all of this earlier in the year and even October. And she pointed something out to me and she's like, because you're in a really high social month. When you were managing all that, you were in Albania alone for six weeks. I had no friends there. It was off season. There were literally no social events happening where now I'm in a capital city so that naturally there's more things happening. I'm living in a co-living space. So I have 10 friends around me all the time. 
and people are always inviting me to things and there's just more access to socializing. So her reflecting that back to me when you're asking how I manage it is I started to realize I do have periods in the year where they're very high social months and then low social months. And it started to dictate how I plan where I want to go. I used to plan where I want to go based on like vibes. <laughs> it's like, looks pretty, looks cool, looks cheap, looks sunny. Like, let's go there. And now I've been like, no, if you want to really dedicate time to your podcast and writing, let's try to put yourself in an environment where you're around creative people or co-working spaces or podcast studios and really dedicate resources to that versus let's just go somewhere because it looks like vibey. Um, I also had to become really strict with my schedule. So there were times, many times I just had to say no to happy hours with people or weekend trips. And I was just like, I I cannot commit to that because to your point, it's going to throw me completely off on remote year. I got really sick twice back to back because I did exactly what you said. I pushed my body to the limits. Uh, Europeans love going out until like 6am. We were doing that on the weekends And then I would just try to go back to my normal work routine on a Monday after partying for the whole weekend. And I got tonsillitis. I couldn't speak. The doctor was like, the worst thing you could be doing right now is talking. And I'm like, well, that's my career. It's like talking on a podcast and talking to clients all the time. And I had to cancel all these things. It actually like ruined a few opportunities. Like I was supposed to be on a few bigger podcasts and I had to cancel and then they never got rescheduled. And so that reflected back to me like, you are pushing yourself way too much as if you're this machine that can go, go, go. So after the four month remote year trip, I realized you need to allow yourself, you need to make a routine. You need to have specific set work hours. You need to have creative time. So now I have this whole schedule that I can share with you if you want of how I actually manage my time. But that was that I only learned through going through the depths of despair after like getting sick twice back to back. Yeah, I feel like, Like I'm just, I'm putting myself in in your shoes too. And, you know, whenever you go on like a vacation or you're out of your normal environment or like, even if I go home to visit like friends and family, I feel like I can relax and loosen up so much easier because I'm not looking at like, oh, I need to do the laundry. I need to like, you know, finish all these things off my to-do list. I need to clean the kitchen. Like I could be doing X, Y, Z. So I'm just like, my brain has like less space or like more space that like, you know, to do other things and think about other things. And I'm not like constantly thinking about all things I need to get done. And so it allows me to like be more social and like make more time for like the things that, you know, I want to be doing rather than I need to be doing. And so I feel like there is something to be said for having that time. Cause like literally we would not be, I don't know where I, I know this information from, but like we thrive off of community. Like we Mm -hmm. need like that socialization. We need friends. We need family. Like that we thrive because of the people around us. So there is something to be said for do like having that socialization piece, but then it does become, you know, like, okay, now I need to actually prioritize my schedule and not be like shameful or not be, I don't know, not get upset about like saying no to people and like standing firm in that. So like, how do you manage that schedule? Like, what does that look like? So I do, I feel like have this advantage where a lot of my clients, I'm six to eight hours ahead of them because I'm usually in Europe or South Africa. So naturally, if I sign people in the United States or Canada, I have this whole period where they're not even awake when I'm waking up. 
So what I realized with that is make my schedule align with these time zone differences. So in the morning from like eight to 12, that's completely me time. I don't do any client work. I'm not answering emails, nothing. I'm reading, I'm writing, I'm doing my workout, running errands, looking at podcast stuff. Like that's completely for me. And that really works for me. Like I've noticed that's a thing that I need to keep up where then like 12 to six starts turning into client calls, coaching, discovery calls, et cetera. And then I try to wind down at six or seven. It's kind of hard because again, some clients I have in LA, which are nine hours ahead of me. So sometimes I am working until eight or nine and that is just kind of the name of the game. But I also really prioritize leisure and value. So when I'm planning out my week, I like to plug in those things as if they're a client meeting as well. So I'll book a dance class and plug it in my calendar, knowing that if I don't go to the dance class, I'm going to be charged $20 Yeah. or I'm going to book the Friday dinner party. And it's non-negotiable. Like if, if I see that a client wants to meet, then I'm like, sorry, I have plans already. So yeah. it's, by the way, it's way easier said than done. Right. I've been very like flexible sometimes with boundaries or meeting mm-hmm. with someone at midnight because that's the only time they can meet. And it's not always glamorous. Like, I think this is something I would love for your listeners to take away is like traveling is really fun and it is a project to constantly be planning your schedule, your budget, your, the, the food, what you're eating, grocery shopping. Like it's a whole other mental load that I don't think people consider. I just talked to a girl actually on a panel and she's like, Oh, I have a travel assistant. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? And she's like, she books my travel. She shows me where I should go. She gives me budgets. She sees if they have co-working spaces or not. And I'm like, whoa, like I maybe need to consider that in my future because that was a big thing that took a toll on me in 2023 was I was dedicating half my week to planning out what my next move was and looking up flights and hotels and whatever, Airbnbs. And eventually I worked with a business operations person and she's like, I think you're highly undervaluing how much brain space this takes up. And you're, you're trying to act like you're settled in like a home in Florida where I used to live. And that's just not the truth. Like that's not happening. So that's what my new schedule is. My Calendly reflects all this. I, I color code my calendar. I block things off and I really try to audit my time and look at, for example, my coaching calls are blue. So if I see my whole calendar is blue, I'm like, why did I do that? Why would I make my entire week focused on coaching? Maybe I should have spread that out. And that's a lesson I'm still learning. Like I said, I, I used to work in corporate America and, and in sales where we were judged on how many calls we could do each week. Our, you know, stats were flashing on a screen for the whole office to see. And that's still something I'm kind of disentangling myself from where I'm like, you don't have to do as many calls as you possibly can or sign as many deals as you can. Like you're your own boss. Like I get to decide how many clients I want to take on, but yeah, like, you know, the truth is it's hard to disentangle from that when you're taught that like do as much as you can make as much money as you can and get to the top. It's a very hard adjustment. So I'm still, like I said, unraveling. Oh yeah. I feel like that is a really hard mindset to get away from because especially like if I'm sitting on the couch on a weekend or something like that, I'm like, Oh, I could be up doing other things and like being productive and like maximizing my day. And I'm like, anytime I'm resting, I feel like I'm lazy. And I think, you know, we, I think we're, we're taught that through like growing up and through work and school and yada, yada, yada. But then as soon as corporate America hits and like when we have these like faster paced jobs, it's like, okay, like if you're not doing anything, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And in sales. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So you mentioned that, you know, you, you have to like time block your calendar. What would you say is 
like some of the challenges with like managing work while traveling or just honestly with like traveling in general? Like what are those biggest challenges you run into? Oh my gosh. Okay. So literally just had a meeting with my VA today about this where one of the biggest challenges I have is that I'm context switching all the time, meaning I'm going from like, I don't know, looking at my finances to then right after that, like trying to record a podcast to right after that, answering yeah. emails and then all of a sudden trying to like write for my Substack. I'm like, that's using literally so many different parts of my brain. It doesn't make sense. And I've tried to be like, okay, let's just block this day off for batching. And then mm -hmm. this is for client calls. But the difference is the way I've been working this year that's different from any other years is I have two very high level clients that just require more of my time and energy. Right. So it's not something where I can just be like, hey, I'll talk to you only on Tuesdays and then we'll circle back next week. It's like I'm constantly managing things for them and consulting. So it's not just, it can't really work like that. I can definitely be better about tightening up my own you know, response times and things like that. But again, it's a very different program than what I've sold to clients in the past. So that was a big adjustment this year is like realizing how much energy and time I put into certain things that I need yeah. to realize if you're going to be putting all this energy does not mean that you can give a hundred percent to everything else too. Like eventually you hit a, a wall, like you can't run at a hundred percent speed all the time. So that's something I realized. I would say the other challenge is the adjustment period when I moved to a new place, I used to just think in terms of like flight time and time zone, meaning, oh, whatever, I'm going from Argentina to Peru. There's no time zone change. It's like a three hour flight. So you don't really need an adjustment period. So fly on a Sunday and then just pick up work Monday. Instead of giving myself time to like get familiar with the neighborhood, go grocery shopping, do laundry, like Right. The same way when you come back from a vacation, people do these things. You I set yourself up for. Yeah. Like I didn't operate like that. I was like, oh, well you full-time traveler. You don't need to worry about this. I'm like, no, you actually are a human being. Like you should be taking off two to three days to get accustomed to that. Right. Um, I would say the, the third hardest thing too can be just like, yeah, making friends in the beginning. I don't think it's hard. I think it, honestly, it is a skill that you just develop from traveling. Like everyone that's expats just or or travelers just becomes friends really easily. Mm -hmm. But it's that period where, to your point of community, like you're trying to build this community, but you only have four to six weeks there. So you, right. you expedite a lot of these conversations, which I don't mind. I love getting deep with people. I'm like, let's go there and, and, and let's get oh, there yeah. quickly. Damn. But then it's very sad because then you're like, I'm leaving. Like this example, this weekend, half the friends I've made here are leaving and then the other half leave next week. And I'm like, wait, this is very jarring because we've all been hanging out for the last four weeks. And then the next two weeks, I'm basically going to be here by myself. Mm -hmm. And yes, I want my alone time and like decompression. But then there's this whole question of like, are we ever all going to be in the same place right. again? Because half of us are travelers. So right. I don't know that all of us are going to be back in Romania at the same time with the same energy, which is a bit beautiful and sad in a way. It's like, yeah, we're never going to have this special. moment again. Yeah. It's very special and sentimental of like, you know, what led us all to be here at the same time under these circumstances and in this right. period of our lives. And at the same time, it's like, it honestly has affected my dating life a lot because yeah. I feel like naturally when you're, you know, going different ways, it's very hard to commit to something because you're like, well, I'm going to Peru. Well, I'm going to South right. Africa. Like what's happening at the same time. I feel like I've almost developed this toxic personality trait that, you know, Logan Yuri, she's the behavioral scientist at hinge. 
No, I don't. Do I need to look okay, this so up? She, she has a, she's always on podcasts and she just talks about these three different dating types where there's like the people that want to Frankenstein the perfect person where it's like, I want her personality, but her body, but her kind, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you think of that. And then there's mm -hmm. people that are always thinking like there's just someone else better around the corner. Yeah, That's who I've become where I never used to be like that. And now that's really affected me where I'm like, oh, I bet. You know, who cares if I don't meet someone in Romania, I'm going to Cape Town for three months. And who cares if I don't meet someone there, I'm going to be back in Europe. And there's constantly this grass is greener mentality. And I think that's that obviously will then leak into my work sometimes where I'm like, oh, well, whatever, I'm going here in a, in a month, like things will get better. And instead of being present. So right. I know we were asking about work managing, but like, I do think work and my life play into each other. And that's, yeah. that's become a huge like issue for me lately. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that's not like that feeling doesn't go away and doesn't matter like what circumstances you're under, because I feel like I am that way. And like, I'm planted in one spot. You know what I mean? Like I, but I can see that that makes a lot of sense. Like, okay, well, I'm not dating you in Peru, but I'm going to like Portugal next week, like whatever it is. It's like, right. there's endless options. And I always thought like, you know, I don't really believe in soulmates. I just believe that like, I believe that everyone in my life is my soulmate, like, and we are meant to meet for a reason. And like, that's why like our soul is connected at one period of time. So that I feel like is kind of like a fucked up mindset. It's like, okay, then yeah. that means that almost I could I could probably marry at least 10 people and be completely happy content and like fine probably more than that but I'm yeah. like where's the person that's the most compatible for me are they in Australia are they whatever like right. you know that I've always like thought that way and not even just about dating about like every aspect of my life so I'm glad that that doesn't go away no it doesn't go away and literally I've just read this book 4,000 weeks it's like my new bible I've been shouting it out on like every podcast I've been doing and I, I want to tell this story because it might be helpful. He was yeah, talking well, about in the um, Soviet Union times, they really wanted the industrial factories to be running all the time, 24-7. Obviously, you cannot have a human being working 24-7. Yeah. So they split people up into shifts where it was like, Delaney, you're on the red shift. I'm on the orange shift. So red, you're going to work Monday through Friday. I'm an orange, so I'm going to work Wednesday through Sunday. So they had all these people in like different colored shifts. But what was happening was then people, because they all didn't have the same time and days off, had very limited time together. So it was like, you and I could probably only overlap on a Saturday. So we only got one day to hang out. Oh. And it was like, wait, that's like, and then the whole friend group could never hang out together because they were all on different shifts. And then I think they even tried to put like husbands and wives together. But then that became kind of disastrous because then the husbands and wives were together 24 seven, unable to see their friends. And so they, that experiment failed. They did it for very little time because people were like going crazy and quitting and all these things. And this whole chap, this whole story was under a chapter in the book called the loneliness of the digital nomad. And I was like, Whoa, I didn't even know he was going to write about that in the book. And that hit me so hard because I'm like, that's exactly the story I just told you. I'm overlapping with these people right now in Romania. There's a very small chance that all of us are going to be back here at the same time, living in the same place at the same period of our lives. Right. And then we're going to do that like switch again, where I'm going to overlap with some people in Cape Town and then I'll go back to overlapping. Like it's just, right. you're never settling and committing. So he made this whole point of committing. And, and this is going to sound like, like when I read it, I had this like, oh no, but it's like, you are settling down in a way because you have to pick. 
Like you eventually do have to pick a person and be like, I'm going to commit to this person or this yeah. place and give it my all knowing, yes, there are endless options, but like yeah. you, if you want to grow and build something, whether it's a business or a relationship at some point, you do have to like choose and settle. And again, my Aquarian side and how I live my life, I was like, no, like, I don't want to read this. But I was like, he's kind of right. Like to your point, I just met someone amazing from Italy. I'm like, this is a random like side tangent. Do you know the book Midnight Library? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's what I feel like my life has kind of been this year where I'm like, my mind starts shifting. Like, well, what if we had worked out? And then I have like live in Italy for a little bit. And I become part, like I learned the Italian cultures and customs and I start cooking. And then like my mind is going here. And then I'm like, but what if it worked out with my German ex and I would have lived in Germany? And then, but what if I end up meeting an American and moving back to America and moving to New York? Like my mind goes to all these places and they're, to your point, they're all possible. Like I could yeah. probably meet an Italian and, and move to Italy or move yeah. back to America, but it is overwhelming because there's a part of me too that like I turned 33 in a few months and I'm not blind to the fact of like, you know, I do want to have a child. I'm getting older. If I, I, I try not to put myself in that timeline of like, well, then you have to get married and then date for two years. Yeah, and then, but it is like, I talk about this in therapy all the time where she's like, you don't have to think of it so black and white. It doesn't mean like you have a child and you have to give up your travels or your creative life. Like you can still travel with your child up until they're like three years old. They don't even know what's going on. So you could literally be doing whatever you want, but yeah, I feel like I'm rambling now, but this is where my mind has been the last few weeks. I feel like this is so relatable. Honestly, I'm glad you like brought this up because actually someone recommended, my friend recommended me reading that book because of how like indecisive of a person I am and how, I'm always like going like anytime I'm up against a decision small or large I'm so overwhelmed because I'm like this could potentially change my life and I don't know if it's going to be the wrong decision and like the wrong path for me to go down and like it try I don't know it that book helped me get out of that a little bit because it's like no matter what path you take or choice you make it doesn't mean it's the wrong one it just means that like that's what you chose and like that's how your life is going now and like it doesn't mean that it can't change again after that but I feel like that's so so relatable like I I mean I'm sure that there's so many people that feel like that that similar way and it is like unfortunate that women have to think about like a timeline like men don't have to think about that as much and it's like yeah we don't want to put ourselves in that box but also it's like when we biologically have like a time where things are going to get harder for us to have kids then it is like we have to think about that unfortunately or like that's where our minds go. So it's like not an unnatural thing to like think of, but I'm the same way where it's like once I have kids, like once I get married, I don't want like my fun and my youth to end. Like I still want to like prioritize myself and like have things for me and like travel with the, with the kids. And like, I think that is possible. I think some people just really close themselves off to like to those possibilities and think like, that's like you know just living a life in one spot is how it has to be but some people want that and that's okay right I think some people like completely up upheave their lives and just like like change it completely once they have kids and then like they're no longer fun (laughs) yeah and that's the thing that I've had to actively look for people that inspire me that do this type of thing where they might even be a single mom, right? They might've adopted because they're like, it's right. time. Like I'm ready for a child. And that was something that I never in my life 
had like really considered. And as I get older, I'm like, who knows? Like maybe I would adopt or maybe I would like get a sperm donor and have a child alone. And these are things that I, again, never, ever would have thought of myself thinking, but like you said, we have a biological clock and it starts to weigh on you a little bit where I have had to be like, okay, let's remember it's not black and white. Right. The timing will happen when it's supposed to happen. Like, for example, I have this one client and she's so amazing. She lives in Barcelona. She has her own business. And then she actually has a daughter where she splits custody with her her father. But when she doesn't have her daughter, she's like flying to Switzerland on the weekend, Paris. She still shops. She still goes to like fun events and goes out with her girls to get brunch. And And then she has her daughter back. And I'm like, you can recreate something like that by like having childcare or have like switching yeah. I know another couple that they like switch shifts of like who's taking care of who so that they both can work. So she takes care of the baby in the morning and then he takes care of the baby in the afternoon and they're both creative entrepreneurs. So they still get their time where that's, that's become a bigger part of my life is like finding people that are living that lifestyle that haven't given up their personality or yeah, like life lifestyle just because they had a child. Yeah, completely. I agree. There's no one way to live a life. And because we're like inundated with these like images of like how other people are living their lives, we almost subconsciously put ourselves in like, oh, well, should we be doing X, Y, and Z? But there's no one way to do anything. So I want to shift gears a little bit because when we first met, it was three years ago. Isn't that crazy? That's so wild to me. Like wild that it's been three years. It's like, it's almost going to be four. Like that is like really weird. That's very weird. Chelsea and I met well I actually messaged you on Instagram do you remember that and you were it was like when you were in Tampa or something like that or was it yeah I I was just in Tampa and then you were in Tampa and I messaged you I was like oh my god I was just there yes oh my god okay I remember this now and then like and then I had was like following along with like her content and then I ended up like reaching out saying that I was interested in her like being my coach and Chelsea and I worked together for like six months or longer and she like really helped me with so much. This was when I was in the era of like starting my own business. Obviously things have changed a lot for me since then, but I would love for you to talk about like how, cause you, you're an entrepreneur, you're self-employed. Like when you are in that position, I feel like things change so much so fast and you have to like adapt and not be afraid to like pivot and, and make changes so how has your journey with like self-employment, being an entrepreneur, your your businesses, how has that changed since you initially started? Yeah, when I originally started, like before you and I even worked together, I was doing yoga because I had gotten my yoga certification in Bali. So you, you know, humans have this thing where we like naturally want to see the process through. So I'm yep. like, well, you have a certification. So now you become a teacher and you make money becoming a teacher. So during the pandemic, I was like, you're going to be a yoga teacher. I was, was a little that your delusional. First stint with like starting your own business. Yes, I and I the reason I hesitated in saying that is because this is like laughable and really funny. But right, like six months prior to that, this girl that I knew in Australia, she was Dutch, and she had become she was really good at uh, being a nutritionist. And I had my yoga certification, and we became really good friends. So we're like, why don't we run a course together where you do nutrition, I'll do yoga. It's right around the new year, you know, new year, new me health course, whatever. And we were both very like ambitious and naive about what it took to be an entrepreneur. 
We literally were filming videos on our iPhones in like random courtyards with like green, green plants behind us to make it look like a backdrop. We were doing all this stuff, but we had no business skills. So we knew like we needed videos for the course and promotion, but we had no like landing pages or Stripe payment process, like nothing. So we like announced it twice and then nothing really happened. And it was the weirdest thing. We both just never talked about it again. And we're like, (laughs) we're going to bury that in the ground, pretend it never happened, even though we met all the time at a cafe to like try to map out this course. But it was just like, that's cool. Like it's the, it's that kind of thing. And like those kind of people that get you energized and like get your brain thinking of like, how can I be creative? How can I go outside of the box? And like, I think that 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 experience that you had was probably so important. And like, anytime I am around someone who's very like self-motivated, wants to start their own business, I'm like, let's meet up and brainstorm just because it's really like, it gets your gears going and it puts you in that like creative space and around people that are doing like, are like-minded. So it keeps you kind of like motivated in a way. A hundred percent. And like, if you actually Googled the definition of entrepreneur, it's someone who takes financial risks. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it's like, we we weren't meeting getting paid to meet like we didn't even have any proof of concept that this would work but to your point like we were so motivated and energized by each other that right. it was just a fun thing to work on and i learned a lot right we learned like wow we have no audience to sell to we have no launch plan we had nothing like we had no business skills so fast forward when i was doing yoga teaching pandemic um i just quickly realized i cannot teach yoga like three times a week it's just hard on my body i don't actually love it uh, like as a career, I just love taking the classes. So mm. then I, I took like concepts and things that I learned from yoga and thought, well, why don't I teach people about the more mental side of this stuff, which is when I pivoted to mindset coaching. And then mm. that worked for a very long time. And I love doing that. And then I think what happened is like, you want to see when you're asking about pivoting and things like that, I feel like there's an energetic shift where you start noticing things like, okay, I used to be really, really, really excited about this. And now I'm not. Or every time I look at my calendar, yeah, I'm like, wait, what? why is that on my calendar? Why did I agree to that? Like, I don't, you just start to notice like, this isn't fun anymore. Entrepreneurship, by the way, is not always fun. I've been working on things for three months. I'm like, this is the most boring, mundane, energetically draining thing I've done, but like, it has to get done. But I just realized like, what could be something I could help more people with that I maybe feel more equipped and like better at doing. And at that point, podcasting, I had been doing for so long that I was like, maybe let's give it a shot. And so then I slowly, and you probably even remember this, like threw up an Instagram story of like, would anyone be interested in like learning how to launch a podcast? And then people were like, actually, yes. Like, do you teach that? I'm like, oh shit, I, I haven't, but I could. And then it forced me to be like, put together a launch plan and like figure this out. And it's like taking those steps and testing it like testing the waters a little bit that get you to take action like I don't think if I would have asked people that and people were actively interested I probably would have never pivoted but people said I'm interested do you have a course or something and I'm like oh you you build a course like let's do this so then that motivated me to switch and now I'm even at a point where I've been doing podcast coaching now since probably like mid 2021 yeah around that time where now I'm ready to like expand a little more and be like, I think I want to help people just become better storytellers all around, not just with podcasting. And I think I want to actually write more. Like I would love to write a book and eventually like, you know, teach people about writing, but I don't have that skill set yet, but that's something that's interesting to me. So now I'm like Mm -hmm. pivoting a little more into creation and writing. And 
it's just testing what you like and like leaning into your preferences and what what feels draining, what feels energizing. Um, that's how I've been able to like slowly pivot. And I will say it is scary. Like right now, we have to be honest, like there are financial consequences to pivoting. If you had a huge income stream, this happened with my mindset coaching, I was making great money from that. And I'm like, there's going to be people that are going to drop off that probably will unfollow you, will probably unsubscribe. People that you were really close to will no longer be in your world. And I had to be okay with that because the alternative was, okay, so what, like drag this this thing on for five years and then become like resentful of your business. Right. That wasn't really an option either. So it's hard. It's not easy, but it's, I think it's worth it in the long run. So you're not just disservicing yourself and your clients. Yeah. Well, I feel like something about you, especially that you like taught me was like the art of just like changing. And that was something that was really hung up on when I was like, you know, working on launching my own business was I, if I don't see something through to the end or to the finish, like I just, I couldn't wrap my head around that. I'm like, if yeah. I don't like put my all into this, if I don't like work towards this and quote unquote, like finish it out, then it's like a wash or I'm a failure or like, you know, all of these like made up stories in my head. But the truth of the matter is like historically looking back, anyone who is entrepreneurial or creative or whatever like has tried lots of things in their lifetime like you look at any of like the most successful entrepreneurs and they have tried like a million different things to get where they are now and even like looking back on myself like I had a blog way before it was cool and it was like super lame like now I look back and I cringe but then sometimes I'm like actually some of these were good Um, and then you know I just I had so many like weird little creative endeavors along the way until I tried to start my business. And even now, like now it's my podcast. Now it's, you know, my social media, like I'm, and if you would have told the Delaney three years ago, who was starting like a mental health related business that she was going to be talking about pop culture online. Like, I don't know if I would have believed you, but then at the same time, it's like, I feel, feel like I was ignoring this whole aspect of my personality because that's really the shit that I could talk about forever and not get 100% like that and I'm like because you know I'm trying to silo myself into this one category when like my whole life doesn't look like mental health like actually when I was starting that business my mental health was in the worst fucking place and I also you know was living off of my savings and then went in the hole and like that took a huge toll on my mental health and I was weaning off of my anxiety depression like not to go down a whole rabbit hole but like you really put things into perspective when we were working together that like it doesn't have to look a certain way or you don't like you can change and like not not wrap things up in a bow and I I don't know I think that that's like that that was a huge lesson for me honestly because I felt like because I wasn't continuing down a certain path, like I was a failure. Mm. And I feel like you have made some of these changes like so seamlessly that like no one would ever know that you were making any changes. I'm not saying that they're drastic or like, you know, crazy by any means, but like, you know, I feel like you made that trans, you make all these transitions so seamlessly. It it seems from my perspective, at least. Thank you. Cause it has not felt like that. Like I have (laughs) talked to team members have been like, I feel like I'm giving people whiplash. I feel like I look very, non-committal and wishy-washy and by the way this is all very tied up in like american culture too right Right, like it is 
natural to in school we learned this from the beginning like you work hard you get the a you get you graduate with honors you finish the thing and you get the degree like it's very unnatural to be like never mind i gave it a shot and yeah like that's even when you pick your major you don't get to like switch i mean you do but there's consequences you have to stay in school longer and pay more for tuition and I think we're taught that for so long in our most developmental years that, yeah, all of a sudden when you're in your 20s, you're like, wait, if I just pivot, that is going to have consequences and I'm going to look like a failure or bad at Mm -hmm. what I do and whatever. Um, And it's something I I still deal with today. Like I actually outlined a podcast episode that I'm probably going to record soon of I know how to build a consulting and coaching empire, but I don't want to like. I know how to become a big coach. I've taken all the courses. I I know what I need to do. I could honestly, I could build an agency for podcast production and hire a bunch of people and build all these podcasts and honestly become a multimillionaire. I don't want to do that because that's not what's bringing me happiness. I want to be able to storytell and create and read and write and do those things. And going back to the midnight library example, there's things I want to do that aren't going to make me money that I want to do. I want to go to culinary school. I want to take dance classes every week. I want to like, you know what I mean? There's so many skills that I don't want to monetize that if I were to put all my eggs in like growing my consulting business, that would take all my resources and energy and time. And I'm just not willing slash wanting to do that. And it's okay. Right. You want to like live your life as well. Yeah. And And that's different things and express yourself creatively that hit me on the head actually when I was in Cape Town I had this really cute little studio and it had a balcony and it was like peak summertime and I was cooking and I was eating on out on the balcony it was just one of those moments where you're like this is a really cool life that I've built for myself like Mm -hmm. I'm here on my own dime on my schedule I'm cooking in the middle of the afternoon I'm not rushing eating like a chipotle bowl in the elevator like I used to do in my old job like it hit me And then that night we had like a dinner with friends and we had just had a really fun weekend. And it kind of like, yeah, it just was this like crystallizing moment of like, this is what you want your life to be. So whenever I'm working towards making more money, I've had to slow down and be like, why do you want to make more money when you, you really do have a lifestyle that you like you wanted and making more money means you have to put more resources and energy into those specific, whatever money-making machines. But it's like, but again, why do we want to make more money? Like, is it, if it's to travel and live a certain lifestyle, like I'm already doing that. So that really like, I don't know, like I said, it hit me hard on the head this year. I'm like, you don't need to push yourself to make, to become a millionaire. Like this is a made up cool thing to like share on social media, but like, who cares? Like, I I think I live a better lifestyle than a lot of millionaires I know. And I'm like happy with my lifestyle, but it's, uh, it's hard. Like you said, we're inundated with everyone now the new thing is like 50k months and everyone's a millionaire and oh my god i have 100 new clients and it's hard not to learn how to do it like me and Uh, it's a lot (laughs) yeah well that being said then like what what does light you up like what do you think like i know it's hard because of like our our nature of like wanting to change and do different things but like what is like the dream for you in like even in the next year to two or five years. Yeah. I was literally doing a visioning exercise this morning and I'm like, I really think the dream for me would be to be guest speaking, guest coaching, guest podcasting. This lights me up. Like when I have podcast interviews on my calendar, these don't even feel like work or anything to me. I'm like, this is fun. 
playtime. Like I love, love, love connecting and collaborating with people. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Yeah. In real life too. Like when I think back to this year, yes, I've seen a lot of cool things, right. In terms of where I've traveled, but Uh the things I remember the most are all the conversations I've had with people. And I know Uh that sounds so like cheesy and trite of like conversation, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I just remember this dinner table conversation where we all opened up about our relationship to our dads. And then we were like in the middle of a Peru fine dining restaurant. And it's like, that's the conversation piece that I took from that. Or like when this girl and I were connecting deeply on our anxious attachment while we were in Mexico city and we had this whole breakthrough. I'm like, I remember that more than I remember like the Mexico city sights and sounds, you know what I mean? So I always think, how can I build more of that? And it's, building my calendar to have more free time to connect with people on that level, do more podcasting and writing. I've found out like, I do really like writing. It's just a skill that I need to like hone in and refine. So the next few years I'm putting more resources. Like next week I have a humor writing one-on-one with a guy. Cause I'm like, I want to learn how to write funnier pieces. And like, I might take like an essay writing class so so I can learn just the same way I did it with school and learning how to podcast and do all these things. And yeah, there's a part of me that too would love to be like a full-time podcaster and go on tour and have merch and do the whole song and dance. But I think really it's just creating and, and connecting with people, which sounds again, I feel like I'm like a tagline, but like that. it's true. I really get that so much. And I, I'm so happy you said that because I have always felt the same way. And I feel like in a way that's my like superpower. Like that's something that I do really well. And it's not a tangible skill. It's not like I'm like good at Excel or like, you know, a, a financial strategist, like I don't have any like very tactical skills, but I do feel like my, like one of my strengths is being able to like talk to people. And I've noticed that a lot more recently when I've gone to like social functions or like been around like a group of people that maybe doesn't know each other as well. And I'm the one like getting everyone to talk to each other or like bridging that conversation, which sometimes that's like, a con because it's like okay maybe just be fine with silence like you don't have you know maybe it's just like I'm uncomfortable with like that that silence and I can just leave it alone but I'm like I sometimes feel like the people that I'm around or whatever I'm like clearly this is not your strong suit like you know what I mean and and I feel like it is because I'm like bringing these people together and I'm connecting these people and even like in at work things in the past I feel like okay like I'm definitely the one like being the glue or like bridging these as weird as that sounds like no I get it it is a strength and just because it's not something that like you know we we can see on like a resume or a paper like a paper you know what I mean it doesn't mean that it's not important and I think that really is what makes the world go around is like when you can connect with people and that's like one of my favorite things too, is like when I'm having these deep conversations, like I, that lights me up. Like I leave energized. Same. A hundred percent. And what you said too, about the silence thing, I literally in the past two weeks have been thinking about this too, because I, like I said, I live in a co-living space and not everyone has the same personality. Like some people are living here just because it's cheap, but they're not like social creatures that love like, you know, opening up to people yeah. and hanging out. And I feel like I, this one guy and I, I've gotten him to really open up. And then last night he like brought me a plate of food to my room. He's like, here, I just wanted to bring this to you. And I was like, I'm about to cry. Like, this is so nice. And I feel like it's because we had conversations the last right. few weeks at dinner. And I'm like, I will remember this more than I'll remember like 
cool things that I saw in Bucharest or like where I flew to this year. I'm like, that was so monumental to me. And I think that's a skill that I know you're saying you can't put it on paper, but like, I think that that type of skill is good for people that want to host like retreats or do like live events with people and have like a, a day together. Like I've thought about that in my future is like, maybe that is something I could do is like small retreats and group get togethers and girl getaways and things like that, because I think it is a skill. Yeah. I think it is a huge skill. And like, those are the, my mom always says too, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm like hyping myself up right now, but my mom always says too, like you make people, people feel like seen, you make people feel like good about themselves. And like, that's like something that people remember. And like, it's long lasting. A hundred percent. I'm like, you know what? I've never thought about it that way. But like, I do feel like people have always said, oh, Delaney, you have so many friends. And in a way, I do feel like it's because I can connect with anyone. And that's something that I value. And if I had to like give a presentation or like go in front of people, like a bunch of people, I feel like I could be the one to like bring everyone together. So you're right. Yeah. It is a skill. I need to it's a skill. And uh, yeah. And that's something I like really dying to do an episode on this too, is like, essentially I don't have the exact words for it but like going through your year and reviewing how many people's lives you've impacted by just talking to them or like being around them so you can get out of the idea that your success is only like financial or has to do with your status so for example like you probably talked to someone this year that you had like a pep talk with and then they like changed the course of their career or they got out of a relationship or they cut things off with a situation. You know what I mean? That you're like in the moment, it's not so X equals Y, like, Oh, this is a direct impact. But like, same thing, like you said, I, I have this example too, where I was in Argentina. I met this guy, he's a creative as well. And I told him about my business operations person that I work with because she's really great. And me and him just started brainstorming at the cafe together. And then lo and behold, eight months later, he's completely switched his business model. He started working with this girl And he told me, he's like, my favorite part of Argentina was meeting you. And I was like, I'm going to start crying because to your point, I don't always feel, I put so much validation into what my clients are saying about me and like the success I have with clients that I like forget to look at the personal stuff that I'm helping people with too. And I think you are exactly the same way. It's like, yeah, sometimes it's not directly translated in my bank account, but it doesn't mean I didn't like impact someone's life. And that's a skill that honestly, I've had to intentionally like focus on and be like, you are, you are impacting people in some way, even if it's not directly with your work. That's so true. And it is like easy to just look back on our lives in terms of like milestones with numbers and financial success and like, how much did I grow X, Y, Z, but like, that's really not what it's all about. And then when you like, when you look back through like pictures and videos and your camera roll throughout the year, you're like, oh, wow. Like I actually really did do a lot. Yeah. You know, connect with a lot of people have new experiences, even if it didn't feel like that in retrospect, like, yeah, a year is a long time. Like look at all, look at all of the things that like were special this year. A hundred percent. And I think going back to that book, 4,000 weeks, like it really talks about how time is so interesting because I always think about this too. Imagine if a month was 365 days and a year was 12 years. Like, would we be this hard on ourselves for like what we accomplish every year? And it's like the world, like nature doesn't know that December 31st and January 1st are two different days. You know, we made that up so we could have like, like some type of way to meet with people and like understand days of the time that we work, you know, like I could go down a whole rabbit hole. 
But I always think of this of like, I know we're talking mid-December right now. There's always this weird pressure of like wrapping the year up strong. And Ed Milet has that whole thing of like separation season. And I'm just kind of like, what is happening? Like time yeah. is not real. Like it's okay if you move your projects to January and maybe take more time to plan. And like, I've had to remind myself of this. I'm trying to yeah. really up-level my podcast. And I had this like fake timeline in my head to get it done by February. I'm like, February is not that far away. Like that's like barely six weeks away. What are you thinking? You're going on a two week vacation. You have all these other things going on. And I just had to breathe and be like, and, and my therapist said this, I think this is a nice takeaway for everyone to leave with is like, ask yourself and then what? So let's say I up leveled yeah. the podcast. It's done by February. Boom. It's going exactly how I wanted. And then what? Like, we're always going to want more or something always. different or pivoting. So it's like, it yeah. Ends. And then what? It never ends. So she's like, take your time, like build it the way you want to. And, and just ask yourself and then what? Because that's a, if you don't think about that, you will never, ever, ever, ever feel like you're accomplishing anything. It's so true. It's like, yeah, obviously you go from December to January and that's a new year, but like any other month, it's just a new month. Like we don't see a difference. No, and, it has a weird pressure. Right. But there's so much messaging like on TV, at work, like finish up the year strong, start like, you know, get your, oh, your goal, like achieve your goals, all that stuff. And it's like, it's a an exhausting mindset to have like 24 seven because it makes us feel like if we don't achieve something by a certain time then like we're worthless if we don't like achieve something by a certain time but before we finish up I really want to know like what is on the docket for you you said you were working on your podcast like you want to amp that up like what are some of those things that you're working towards and like maybe even tell us like where you know, cause you've been doing this podcast for a long time, right? Like how many years has it been? Six. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yeah, you've, you've really been doing this for a long time. And like you started when the podcast landscape was completely different. So like maybe tell us like a little bit about how it's evolved and like what is kind of like upcoming for the podcast. So yeah, I feel like you're asking this at the perfect time because I literally just in the last two to three weeks have had this come to Jesus moment of like, what's next. And I think what's evolved is there's a lot more like research and opinions going into podcasts lately. This is at least the podcast I listen to, right? There's a million podcasts you can listen to, but like, yeah. there's a lot more, I don't know, like high quality stuff out there where I think it used to just be, you know, everyone just stitching everything together and doing what they want. And, and I've run my podcast that way, honestly, for six years is like, do the interview, the intro, outro, be done with it, move on to the next thing. Where the podcast I'm listening to as of lately, here's an example. There's one called If Books Could Kill. And they basically are these two guys that make fun of like certain books, but they use research to back it up. So it's not just like an opinionated, like, LOL, these books suck. Right. They're like, they're like, this is literally a factually wrong statement that this person put in here. And like, then they have this discourse about it and relate it to the culture. And I think that's a big thing we're seeing is like culture. And like you said, being like talking about pop culture on your TikTok, I think this is only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like pop culture will always be a part of our, our, our culture. So it's, I think a lot of podcasts and storytelling is leaning into like, how does this relate to this? Why do we act like this? Why did it become cool to stop smiling in photos? Like these types of like conversations to me are so cool. And I want the podcast to start throwing like seeing a little bit more of my opinion in there I mm -hmm. think because of how my podcast started I had it before I had a business 
So then when I had a business, I started to make it a little more business related to the Mm -hmm. point where it almost became a podcast about podcasting. And I was like, this was never the point. Like it was not supposed to be a podcast about podcasting. So as of recently, this is kind of like breaking news, Delaney. I feel like you're getting the first scoop here is that I'm making, in my non-expert opinion, its own standalone separate thing that's actually not really going to drive to my business or consulting at all. And then I want to have a different podcast that's just like a one-time 10-episode limited series podcast that will be about podcasting that you can learn about it, and that will lead to my business. And then I really want to put a lot of effort into my Substack and writing because when I'm thinking big picture of getting a book deal, this is something that could help. I could show publishers, here's all the subscribers I have, here's the engagement, here's literally 50 pieces you can read, and I know I have to build a portfolio. So I'm treating 2024 as like building my writing portfolio and really completely up-leveling the podcast in terms of not only the quality, but the the time invested where I want to be doing like kind of color commentary. You know when podcasts are like, I don't know, they'll do an interview and then they'll pause and be like, did you hear what Delaney just said? Delaney yeah, yeah, repeat it. that. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah, like I love when they do that. Or um, again, like having segments and, you know, we're going to switch to our Q&A now. Like I really want to start, I want to basically just break the format what I've, what I've been doing for six years. So the format, we're going to start experimenting with different things. I want to put more research into it. And as the name says, it's in my non-expert opinion And I feel like I've kind of been holding back on my opinions and I really love like opinionated, strong stance type of content. And so I really want to lean into that in 2024. Totally. I relate to that so much. I think that's awesome with the, like the separate podcast too, because even if like things get like updated in the podcast industry or like you have a new thought, you can almost make like a season two and do like another limited series, but you're not tied to doing that like 24 seven. It's just like something that can live there for people as like a resource. Yes, exactly. It's just a resource and it's not a weekly commitment. Right. Right. I completely agree with you with the whole like opinionated thing, because I feel like I have so many opinions and thoughts, but I don't really share them because I'm like afraid of getting canceled. What's like, it's hysterical. Cause it's not like I have like millions of followers, but I'm like, ever since I started like talking about pop culture and like pretending I was Taylor Swift's cousin online, like that's just me being my fucking self. That's just me being goofy and like talking about the things that I love and all of a sudden, and like not caring. And all of a sudden, like, you know, it it started to get traction. It started to grow. And I'm like, how can I bring more of this to like all aspects of like who I am and how I show up online and like really bring that quote unquote, like opinion, because think about it, like call her daddy um any of like the bigger podcasts that like really took off or like even now like Alex Earl's podcast like we're literally just hearing about their lives and like hearing these like very like raw like almost raunchy topics in their life and we fucking love it and it's not giving us any like educational material but we eat it up and you have to almost like have something to say and I feel like I've kind of gotten away from that like in a way and it's, it's a fine, it's a balance, but I, I love that. And I feel like I love that for you. Oh, well, thank, and I love that for you too. I saw your post recently. I was like, oh my God, it's like 700 comments or something. And like, people were going in on me, but that's, and like, like, I think that's kind of a lesson I learned too. I forget where, maybe, maybe in the book, um, steal like an artist where he's like, enjoy the obscurity, meaning like enjoy being small while you are small. 
Totally. So for me, it's like, this is a perfect time to start testing the opinions and stuff totally. without a following because I have like less of a, you know, I don't have to like report to 5 million followers. It's like, oh, I can test this piece, kind of like dip my toes in the water and like, okay, yeah. let's see. And like, am I okay with turning up the heat a little bit? And I'm not saying I'm going to go full, you know, snark bitch Bible, but right, like, of course. there's, to your point, there's so many opinions I have that I, I tend to water them down or, or turn it into like value or a lesson. And yeah. to your point, if you actually look at truly like the top charts, it's they either have really strong opinions they're highly researched, like they're like very high, like backed by studios, like Wondery type of podcasts, or yeah. they're entertainment, like the people that make fun of Bravo shows, or the people that are just like laughing at the re like this one, the recent book one. They're just like making fun of books. Like it's, yeah. I honestly think we're gonna see more entertainment podcasts versus like self improvement in twenty twenty four too. I completely agree with you, and I feel like I heard this thing recently where someone said you have to be willing to be unlikable before you can be likable so mm. and then they use the examples of like alex cooper emma chamberlain and like because even like emma chamberlain it's not that she's like unlikable or like does anything too out there but she's just like so herself and like doesn't hold back like burps on camera and just is like shares all of her opinions and she's not like mainstream she doesn't like wear what everyone else is wearing and take the fashion choices that everyone else is is doing and so I feel like that really like shifted something in my head. I was like, okay, I used to give so much energy to like what other people thought of me. And then as soon as I like started posting about things I actually wanted to and people had like, people disagreed with me or people were like being mean to me in the comments, I realized a couple things. I realized that it, it really doesn't matter what people think of you because yeah, I'm not saying anything that's hurting anyone. I'm just saying my, my opinion doesn't have to be so out there in order to be an opinion. It can right. be something so small that people disagree with. And it, then I can still be quote unquote controversial. Like no matter what I do in life and no matter what you do in life, people are going to agree or disagree and they're probably going to say it, or maybe they won't, they'll say it behind your back. But that's the reason why you should just like literally do whatever you want and be yourself. That's the, the most, the most freeing thing. A hundred percent agree. And this really shifted something for me too, is when you're in that people pleaser energy and you're not getting a lot of negative feedback or negative pushback, you're like, oh, I'm doing fine. But you don't know if people are talking behind your back. Like right. there, there could be people right now listening to my podcast or this podcast and being like, this is terrible, but they would never say it to my face. So it's like, you're actually always disappointing people or making always. people cringe or whatever. It's just like, what level are you being yourself to your point? Like, are you, are you going to be people pleaser energy? And honestly, when I think of being in my people pleaser energy, I'm like, I'm actually letting those people dictate my life, my, like totally. my whole life, you know, like I'm letting people from high school that follow me on Instagram literally dictate my future because of like what they might be sending in their group chat making fun of me like that's silly when you say it out loud but yeah. that is I've been in that place like I'm still sometimes in that place so I had my friend's mom comment something on one of my Instagrams once and it was like pushing back on me and something and I was like it scared me a little bit because I was like wait if she's saying this now I bet all the moms in my hometown are like talking about this and gonna report back to my mom you know it becomes this whole yeah, thing that you're yeah. like and when you're close with your family, like I know you are, you start to be like, oh my God, was my family going to think about this? And my brother? And what if my dad here, like it becomes totally. this whole spiral. But I think the reality is like, 
both you and I create content at a, a very high output that like eventually, yeah, something isn't going to stick or land with every single person, but it's like, okay, in a way it's almost a gift to be like, I'm glad you're not following my content anymore because it's not for you. If you need to unfollow because it doesn't resonate, that probably means we weren't going to be a long-term fit anyway. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I've literally thought about, and I think I will do this actually, because I'm starting to repurpose my content on my personal social media. And I was just like terrified. Like I haven't, or my personal Instagram rather, like I don't really post on there at all anymore, which is like funny because I'm on there a lot, but like I just forget to post. And I think it's because like a lot of the people that are on my social media on Instagram are from high school or from college, like people that I know in my personal life. Whereas with TikTok, it's like almost all the people are people I don't know in, in right. real life. And so it's so freeing because I can just say and do whatever I want. And then with Instagram, it's like, I'm so worried about like, well, well, my cousins, my aunts and my people from high school and like, yeah. you know, whatever disagree with me. And I've thought about just being like, hey, I'm going to start posting this type of content. If that annoys you, just unfollow me right now because yeah. I don't want to like filter myself anymore. And like, this is how it's going to go from now on. And cause like every time I post, it's like, it's almost like people forgot that they were following me and like unfollow me. Yes. Like I, yeah. I see the follower shift every time I post and I'm like, okay, well that person from high school is getting annoyed with me. And that's just the, the assumption I'm making in my head, but I almost just want to be like, stop following me right now. Cause right. I don't want to, I don't want to have to think about that. You know? And I think that's what, when you say that out loud, I think people respect that more of like, whoa, she's really in her power and being like, if you don't want to be around, there's the door. Like, don't let it hit you on the way out. I'm not going to continue watering myself down. To your point too, I've actually taken some steps to remedy that. Like that mom that commented, I like hid her from my stories. Like I actually, I might've even blocked her to be honest. Cause I was like, I don't even think she would notice. And if she did, I would just make up a story of like, oh, I don't know. My Instagram's being weird. I'm in Europe. Like I would just be like, not sure what happened. Guess you can't see my content. And like, removing people that I don't need to be following but to your point too I'm like who cares if like Kyle from high school unfollows me what was he gonna buy my courses or show up at my future podcast tour like probably not so it's okay that he's not following me like we don't yeah I think there's this like I I feel this way where I'm like I feel like I'm almost maybe being fake like they know a version of me in high school that I'm not anymore and I need to like stay this version for them so that when I go home, it's not like weird, but I'm like, I'm already, I'm already a different version. Like when I go home now, I'm like, I'm already so different. I travel, I have my own business. Like I'm already someone else that they don't know. So it's weird that all of a sudden I put this new filter and now that that one's not okay. It doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. Yes. I feel that way too. I feel almost like uncomfortable going home sometimes because I'm like, I am so different than like who I was like, I mean, think about like I was in high school over 10 years ago. And so I'm, of course, I'm going to be a different person, but it's also, it is uncomfortable because it's like people expect you to be who they know and we're not. And people, and I'm guilty of talking about people that have changed too, or like people have like drastically changed. So like, I know what people are thinking and I know that people are talking about me and I'm not even like doing anything crazy online, but like, right. I've heard, or people have said to me things where I'm like, I know that you were talking about me. And mm. it wasn't the like most positive things, but that's okay. Like I finally got into a place where I care less and less about it. And I need to get into like the practice more of posting on my Instagram and like just stopping caring what people think. Cause it is easier said than done. Oh, it's so easier said than done. Like you've seen my new videos on 
on Instagram and I'm getting two more coming in like today or tomorrow and I want to post them. And I'm like, you just went from like barely posting once a month to all of a sudden posting like three to five times a week. And my brain goes to, I'm being overwhelming, da, da, da. But I think we also need to be like logical of how the algorithm works. People aren't only seeing my content. Whenever they scroll, they literally see 500 pieces of content in like a 15 minute scroll. So even if they see mine twice, it's like, okay, two out of 300 pieces, isn't that crazy? Like, I'm not the only person they're following. We just care way more because it, we're feeling like we know the difference in what we're putting out and the output. Like, so we're like, am I annoying? But I'm like, I, I follow someone who posts like three times a night. I, I don't even really notice. I'm just like, oh yeah, they're in my feed. I'm not like, oh, third time. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. She's annoying now. I'm like, whatever. I, I follow her content because I like her. Like, that's the deal. The way that I, I literally think that too, because the way that the algorithm is like, we're not thinking oh that this person posted x amount of times yeah we like see them in our feed but we're not thinking this is so annoying you know what i mean like there's some celebrities that i follow that like post a bajillion times a day but like i actually like it i'm like i want i want to see content from you every time i'm on my my social media and i think this too sometimes i'm like oh i've already said this three times and i'm like do you know what people are seeing? Like, they're not comprehending that you've yep. said it three times. I always think of Melissa Wood Health. For four years, she's been talking about squeezing 10 minutes a day, like the green juice, you know, you know, always make self, like always make time for yourself. She says the same six things over and over and over yep. again. And I still ways. follow her. She's still on my feed. I still take her classes. You know what I mean? Like it's eventually, and this is something I think people need to note too, is like, there, I really do think there is a life cycle to everyone and you have to start thinking bigger. Like if you are going to be an entertainment personality, start thinking of what you would do after that. And I talked about this on my stories recently, but this is why I think Alex Cooper was really smart with Unwell. There's only so many celebrities that she can interview that eventually it's going to, you know what I mean? Like the show Who's isn't going to carry her? on like it is for 10 years. And she's thought ahead of like, yeah, when Call Her Daddy winds down, well, now I have a talent network. We have brand sponsorships. We can put all these girls on tour. Like to me, she's thinking so far ahead. I guarantee you she's going to have a book, probably a documentary on Netflix. Like she's thinking beyond the podcast. And I think a lot of creators should think like that. I think Skinny Confidential is a good example too. Like she's now creating beauty products and she's Mm -hmm. doing like consulting for people. And she like, she has so much more going on than just her being like monetizing herself. And I do think that's important to note too, is we all should be creating and like putting our opinions out there and thinking in the future, like what happens when this ends or if I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I've always thought that too, or in more recent years, I've like thought that because how long can you be an influencer? Like how long can you really like talk about? And I, and another thing that I've always thought is like, I don't want to just be an influencer that talks about the products that I use. And I'm not shaming anyone that does because I follow so many people like that and I love following them, but I don't want to be like, Oh, I got this new water bottle and I'll link it in my storefront. Like, yeah. Okay. I want to do some of that maybe, but like, right. If that is like the only business that you have, then like, how are people ever going to like be loyal followers of yours. Like I would way rather not make money for years and like build this really like big loyal community that is like a a, a bigger than just products and and buying things. And is like, whenever I make my own businesses, then they'll also latch onto that as well, because it's something that like is my brand, you know what I mean? And it's like, and, and that's why I really look up to Alex Cooper is because of, you know, how she's 
paving the way in business. And I think that that is like what is going to make longevity in this business or in this industry, whether it's like social media or entertainment, like you really have to like be doing other things and diversifying your, your brand. And to your point, if you look at all the successful influencers that have had the life cycle they had, like Lauren's been an influencer for 10 years yeah. is because she realized, yeah, I can't be depending on third party sponsorships for the rest of my life. I'm going to mm-hmm. build my own thing. And now she has her product line. Again, I guarantee you she'll write another book. So she's, and they have Dear Media, right? Like Dear Media was a spinoff that came from them learning, wow, podcasting is incredible. Let's see what happens. And they mm-hmm. did the Dear Media events. Now all the hosts have merch. Like mm-hmm. they're constantly thinking, not for the rest of our life, like you cannot be sponsoring or sorry, you cannot be doing brand sponsorships for the rest of your life. You need your own thing also to just protect yourself financially. Like for example, if Alex Cooper didn't start on well, and let's say the Spotify deal didn't go well and Spotify like canceled their contract, she would be out of luck. She'd be like, holy shit. Like, I guess I'll just depend on brand sponsors now. Like she was thinking so far ahead. I guarantee you when she ends her Spotify deal, I don't think she'll renew because of the effort that she's putting into unwell and I yeah. think she's going to continue like seeing those revenue streams and ways of creating that aren't about her and her personality and call her daddy. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm so curious to see what happens when her Spotify deal is over and if she like shifts more towards Unwell and starts like growing that up more. And I mean, we have seen like podcast deals not work out. Like for example, Meghan Markle and yeah, um, she's a royalty. <laughs> like, talk about someone who like we actually want to hear from that really just like fudged it all up I'm like you know yeah. so and that was like a multi multi-million dollar deal that just like went sour so like you really have to be thinking ahead if you you know if you want to have success in certain areas but um I want to finish up with some rapid fire questions yes I love rapid fire okay. okay all right what's your favorite comfort show right now winter house oh love I need to watch the most recent episode it's chaotic <laughs> Okay, what's your guilty pleasure? Um, probably a mix of reality TV like Bravo and chocolate anything like chocolate brownies or chocolate chip cookies. Oh my gosh, same. Reality TV like is my one true love. Like I don't even ugh, I just love it's it. Just so anyway. good. It's too good. Um, okay, what is a pop culture moment that shaped you? Ooh, oh my god, that shaped me. I'm trying to think. So like something that really stands out to you. Stands like, out to me. Um, some okay. people have said I, like Princess Diana dying or okay. like. I feel like music videos. I was just telling someone this, that music videos like really shaped my teenage years. And I feel like Britney's music videos blew me away, like completely totally. shaped me. Like I remember Toxic and Slave for You and Baby One More Time. Like I'm always trying to make my Halloween costumes be like somewhat related back to Britney. And I'm always yeah. thinking of how the only person I ever saw in concert more than once was Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. So I feel like her music videos and her dancing, like even the VMA awards that iconic, like Madonna, Christina and her three-way kiss, like that, that like started blowing my mind where I'm like, Whoa, like this is just wild that I don't know. I feel like very, honestly, I feel lucky to like be in an era where I got to see like Britney Spears at her prime. So I would say Anything related to Britney, but definitely her music videos. I agree. I think like the early 2000s music videos were something special. Very like sacred, like 
caps like put it in a bottle and like capture it because it is like some of the best content in the world well think about it it was before we were we had social media and like just alternative forms of media so we were so like enveloped in the bands and like the artists that we were listening yes. to at that time and it, it was just there was something so special about it I love TRL that was like I would just watch music videos for like three hours oh. after school <laughs> same same and actually you told me to like get back into like my creative energy to like watch music videos and I took your advice yes. and it is it is powerful let me tell you oh I need to do that myself I forgot about that too I, maybe I'll do it today <laughs> me too um okay how would someone describe you if your life was a movie and you were the main character I think the word that immediately comes to mind right now is probably eccentric or like a little unconventional um I think if you had to put my life into a movie right now, it probably would mimic the plot of Midnight Library where it's like, I'm putting yeah. on these different hats and meeting different people and trying on different lives. So it like would be Midnight Library with a very more eccentric, optimistic character. Cause I feel like Nora was a bit depressed and like trying yeah. on all these lives to like better herself where I feel like I'm just trying on all these lives cause I want to. So yeah. I think that would, that would probably be my movie. And yeah, it would be a very eccentric main character. The Midnight Library, but with a happy twist. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, also, just quickly, a little blurb. I read that book when I was trying to decide between two jobs. And I had, first of all, there was a few like signs in the book that like from, that I felt like were from my dad, which is like, and and in the book, she also had lost her dad. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. I felt very like connected to her from that. But I literally had like a come to Jesus moment. I was like, all right, universe, God, whoever you are, I need you to give me a sign to to help me choose what job I take. And I need it to be so freaking obvious that I can't deny it. Like I need you to literally spell out the name of the company somewhere or like give me something that's so obvious. Shit you not in that book was the name of the company. No. Oh yeah. my God, I have chills. <gasps> and then I went with that company. That is the craziest. Like you said, there are four bajillion books you could have read. Yep. And right when you asked for that sign and you had that book, it's like, that is very freaky. It's so weird. Like, it's not a name that would be in every book. So it was just, it was wild to me. And I was like, all right, I made the right decision. And my gut was leaning towards that anyways, but like gave me the confirmation that I needed. Okay. This book is like magical. I know we've shouted it, it out a few times, but I think maybe like people need to go read it if they need a little life inspo or confirmation. If you're feeling like you don't know like where your life is headed or you just feel like there's a, a lot of different choices or like ways that your life could go, read The Midnight Library. A hundred percent. Okay. So the last question is something that you're currently obsessed with. So this could be literally anything. Oh, okay. Let me think. I'm like thinking of my phone. I think there's two things and it's um, probably Substack. Like I've been getting really into like reading other people's Substacks and understanding the platform and how it works like I have the basics down but like I'm really getting into you know how people make it on Substack. like there's people now that have made Substack their full-time income so I've been Damn. like reading like articles about it and subscribing to people's stuff like I've been really into that and I would say the second obsession is personal finance like I got really into Ramit Sethi's content like the guy he had yeah. a Netflix show and then a book and I devour his podcast and no joke. I've taken so much advice that my personal finance life has drastically improved where now that. I'm so obsessed that it's like, 
maybe becoming too obsessive. Like I spent three hours on Monday, like looking at my numbers and figuring out percentages and like what's going to what. And it's not a bad thing, but it's like every day I'm like excited to look at my numbers, which is probably a good thing. But this has become like a new obsession is like personal finance. I love that. I feel like getting comfortable with like looking at your finances and getting excited about it takes away all of the scariness of it. Yes. I used to be like, hopefully I have enough to skate by and get me to like end a month. And now I'm like, whoa, this is exciting that I get to like choose where my money goes and not feel yeah. scarcity. And like, I think it's like fun now, which is crazy to say. I would have never said this like even a year ago. Yeah, I can totally see that. I need to, I've listened to him on a podcast. can't remember which one it was, but probably something on dear media. So, Oh my God, listen to him on, listen to his podcast. Cause he does financial coaching for couples. So it's all couples and it's crazy shit. Like we're in $500,000 of debt and she didn't even tell me or like, uh, you know, yeah. he, he bought a house without telling me like, how do we, it's very like interesting. You think stuff your life that, is bad. And, you yeah, listen to that. and you're like, well, I'm pretty good with my finances. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I definitely need to go listen to that. If not just for a confidence boost, Yes, but <laughs> where can people find you? How can they support you? How can they work with you? Tell us everything. Yeah. My website is chelsearife.com. My Instagram is at chelsearife. And then my sub stack is called slight turbulence. So the way I've been taglining that is like the travel magazine you wish you had on an airplane instead of those like boring ass ones that are on the back of the airplane seats. So I'm like, this is like fun, deep dive content. And then my podcast that. is called my non-expert opinion. And you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. And are you still doing taking podcasting co coaching clients or no? Yeah, I'm still working with clients and consulting. I, I have a course called Mic Drop. So if you want to take it, you can learn how to launch. And then I have a whole video library. So if you're ready to learn new skills outside of launching, there's stuff about interviewing, about monetizing, about SEO. And there's a whole course section on my, my website. I love it. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. This has been an amazing yes. conversation. Honestly, I could have like talked for like another two hours literally same more. i'm like i wish we were like the andrew hubermans that did like four hour podcasts and like didn't care i'm not there yet but like i think women should start being like joe rogan and andrew huberman and being like fuck it we're doing three hour podcasts i know well everyone tells me that i should do shorter like shorter episodes and i'm like i don't like listening to shorter episodes like i'll do yeah some, like 30 minute ones here and there but like i i like talking i like listening to longer we're podcasts we're long form girlies. Like I've yeah. just accepted that. I'm like, I'm a long form girl and let me live in peace. Yeah. Like George always tells me I have the gift of the gab and that's <laughs> the truth. It's, I, yeah. And use it, right? This is the perfect platform. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you are loving the podcast, please, please leave a rating and review and tell others what you're loving about the show. It really helps grow the podcast and helps me create more content for you. If you have suggestions for the pod or questions you'd like me to answer, you can always email staroftheshowpod at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next Wednesday.